Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. I'm so excited about my guest today, Paula A. Marshall, who really is on this program uh, regularly and just gives us some terrific insights. She is the Chief Executive Officer of Bama Industries, and she provides strategic leadership and direction to the entire organization. Paula's vision stands as a beacon for the Bama team members, inspiring the organization to achieve the Bama mission, people helping people be successful. And she is such a role model for this. Paula assumed responsibility as CEO of the Bama companies in 1984, which is now including Bama Pie, Bama Foods, Bama Frozen Dough, Beijing Bama, and Bama Europa. Under her leadership, Bama has expanded to provide a variety of frozen desserts and baked goods to fast food chains and casual and filmy dining restaurants all over this country and worldwide. And she's the author of four books, and she was recently co-authored with Jim Stovall for the book, The Executive Entrepreneur. So welcome, Paula. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, it's great to have you on. So, you know, one of the things I know, Bama, is so forward-thinking. You have a foundation, and you really work and help your employees, and you don't even call them employees. You can call them team members. You really work. There's so much inclusion in your company. You created something at, at, at Bama where people could apply for aid, and you've helped a lot of your team members. Tell us an expiring story. Well, uh, we have just had a another fundraiser for our, um, it's the Bama Aid Foundation, and through the foundation, we help our team members with grants, uh, small grants, uh, anywhere from $500, well, it's actually $200 to, you know, $2,500, but uh, it was it was formed a few years ago when... Uh, you know, we found other local charitable organizations weren't able to do as much for our team members when our team members were in need. Even though we raised a lot of money to give to them, they never had anything to give back to us when our team members had times of trouble. So we mm-hmm. were always trying to raise money for our own team members when they'd have, you know, a fire or a funeral or a disaster would happen in their lives. We never had the funds coming back from all these nonprofits around uh, around our state to help us. So we decided that if we could raise the money ourselves and keep it ourselves, that we could do a better job of managing the funds and get the money to our team members when it was most needed, which was right, right when the event was happening or right after it happened. So that's mm-hmm. when people need their emergency funds and that's when they need help. So we, uh, we formed this organization. We... Um, uh, started raising money. Uh, I made a sweet gift, and we've been at this about 15 years now. We've uh, given away. We just uh, had a dinner with uh, our big donors, and we uh, showed them that we've raised about $1.1 million over the mm. last 15 years, and mm. we've given away about $990,000 uh, mm. of that money in the last 15 years. Wow. So one and, of and our grants... Go ahead. Recently, Give us some, tell us who you've given it to um, and yeah, examples. That's amazing. To, yeah, I was just getting ready to tell you. Uh, we have had our team members uh, uh, be able to uh, 
go back home to whether it was Vietnam or the Philippines where they hadn't been for 30 to 40 years mm-hmm. and see their families. We've also helped uh-huh. uh, people. We just recently have a set of twins that are in their 20s that lost their mother. Uh, they had been uh, estranged from their mother for, for many years uh, through foster care, and then they were reunited when they were like 17 years old. And then their mother, unfortunately, um, uh, had breast cancer, and um, they were able to apply for funds not only to help her while she was in the hospital, but then when she got worse and went into hospice and then ultimately passed away, they were able to apply to Bama Foundation for some money to perform her funeral, to help pay the hospice bills, and uh, just in general to, um, you know, to, to close up their mother's estate. So uh, they actually were participating with us in the, uh, in the donor dinner, and they were able to, we were able to make a video of them. And um, I think there, there was not a dry eye in the house when people right. got done uh, right. with their dinner. <laughs> I saw that video. It was very, very moving. It's very moving. It's um, it's amazing what you, what you do for the team members, and it has to create such a bond of friendship and camaraderie among everybody, and it just has to make such a difference, Paula. Well, you know, we like to talk about engagement and engagement of our team members because we're in the food business, Patricia. We are a food company, and one of the biggest uh, areas of focus for our whole entire organization is making this food safe and making it safely by our teams. So we focus a lot on education and training and teaching people about, um, you know, sanitation practices, cleaning something and cleaning it where you can swab it and all the bacteria is gone and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. from, uh, you know, from, you know, starting up the line and actually making the product. So, it's really, really important to us that our team is engaged. Engagement is, is huge in the business world. And so a lot of the things that happen, mistakes that happen, mistakes that people make at work happen because they're not engaged. They're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. They're disengaged. Mm-hmm. They really don't care what the company's about or what it's doing because no one there cares about them. So yeah. it's a it's a real give and take today, especially in this market, in this time that we're in right now, where it is definitely a team member's market or an employee's market, um, it's very difficult to find people to hire that will come to work every day and and um, and stay. Uh, so we're we're in a very competitive, ultra competitive world right now, and uh, we need to take care of people as much as we can. And that makes the difference, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. That makes a difference. It does. And I think, and I could, I mean, I, and I have a question about this. I think it makes a difference over the pay rate. What do you think? Do you think people will, go, will stay because of the camaraderie and the community and family atmosphere? Or do you think, that it, do you think that's more important than, than, the, than the pay, is my question, is the salary? Well, I think it depends on where you are in the, if you've heard me talk about, Patricia, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So if you're making a decent wage every week and you have a nice place to stay, you have clothing and food and you have an automobile that you can drive, then you have your basic needs met. And then once you get that, then you start to think about others. And so I think if we're paying people a decent wage and they're getting their basic needs met, then 
that does become less of a factor mm-hmm. and the culture I work in becomes more of a factor. I think until people get to that basic uh, right. level of their personal needs are being met, it's mm-hmm. difficult. They'll go anywhere to try to get another 50 cents or 10 cents or a dollar an hour. That's what we're trying to do is get people up to the basic needs being met, and then we'll worry about, you know, where to go from there. Mm, such a sound, <laughs> sound philosophy. One of the things together. you've talked about on other programs is you have hired uh, women, and, and I think some men who have been incarcerated, and you've had very good results with that. And I think you said that yes. there's the highest incarceration rate in your state. Is that correct in Oklahoma? Um, Oklahoma is ranked first in the whole country in incarceration rates. Wow. Uh, my direct senior director of people systems just came back from a seminar on criminal justice this morning. Mm. And we are averaging 78,000 people a month incarcerated in Oklahoma. Mm. Oh, that is a, that staggering. is a astounding number, isn't it? Oh, because you're talking about a state that only has three and a half million people in it, in the whole state. Mm. So why, why do you, you think it's provide, so high, Paula? Why, why do you, what do you think is the reason? Or is there? I think we have elected officials and district attorneys that have made it sound like um, incarcerating people is the only way to be tough on crime. And what you don't see underneath, and also Oklahoma has huge education problems. We have a huge methamphetamine problem. We have huge uh, pill problems where, you know, uh, we were the number one state to get a payout on the drugs that were going through Oklahoma from the drug companies. Um, Oxycodone, all of those really deathly, deathly uh, addictive drugs. We were the number one state to get a $500 billion payout from uh, one of the drug companies. So the, oh, wow, the problems amazing. are deep-rooted. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's societal. Uh, you know, when you're incarcerating that many people, <clears throat> a lot of homes are being, you know, torn apart with foster care and, and uh, you know, the state taking, taking uh, you know, uh, custody of children and, and then the parents are both gone, and then the, the foster home is, foster system is broken, and you don't have enough people to make sure that these kids are all right. And so um, it, it becomes a cycle, a cycle of poverty and a cycle of continuation of what's gone on before because no one is educated. They don't have good – we don't have good rehabilitation programs. So mm-hmm. our recidivism rate is in the high 80s. So it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a revolving door many times, but what we're trying to do when we go to the state capitol and we talk about it, prison reform and criminal justice reform, is give give businesses a chance to hire the nonviolent offenders. Right. And that is what we are trying to do in this state, along with a lot of other companies that have um, low-skilled uh, jobs to offer, like Hospitals and cafeterias, um, you know, hotels to clean, uh, clean the hotels. You know, there's a lot of non-skilled help that a lot of these hotels would help hire these folks. But we don't ever get the chance because we're so busy incarcerating everybody. We don't, we don't think about well, trying to find employers. Right, and then the other problem is them. in a lot of places, once you have a record, they won't even look at you. 
I've seen that oh, happen. No. Uh-huh. You don't even get a chance. Yep. And the, the sadness with that is that a lot of these convicted felonies are for one ounce possession of marijuana. Mm. And this is um, legal in our state now. Yeah. So these are people who have been incarcerated for seven, eight years on a one-ounce possession, which is now legal. So um, we are working as fast as we can on criminal justice reform with our yeah. new governor. And recently he signed uh, several bills releasing people who had been incarcerated for anywhere from 5 to 15 years for ounce of possession of right. marijuana Good. or um I think there were two or three other hash or some other some right. other drugs that aren't necessarily related to violent crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, we are letting them out. You know, we're getting them right. out. And we're commuting their right. sentences, and we're yeah. trying to get them jobs. And it's there's eight or eight hundred or a thousand coming out, well, but there's yeah. seventy eight thousand going in. You know, <laughs> so. unbelievable. But you are. We're going to take a break now. But Pam is really helping because you're bringing some people in who've been incarcerated, as you said, who are nonviolent offenders, and that's so important. Right, Paula, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Uh, folks, we have a whole hour with Paula A. Marshall. We're talking about business. We're talking about employees and team members and how we can be more inclusive at work, how people can be happy and productive and get the support of their company. And, uh, and, and it goes on and on. And we'll also talk about Paula's book, Finding the Soul of Big Business, S-O-U-L. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you understand your feline friends as well as you'd like? Why do they behave the way they do? If behavior issues get out of hand, how do you fix things? Get the answers and more when you listen to Cat Talk Radio with host Molly DeVos. We'll give you the straight facts, offer some tried and tested ideas, and alert you as to what's being done in this country and worldwide to save cats and shelter challenges. Cat Talk Radio on Voice America Variety. Beauty is always a reflection of how we are taking care of ourselves from the inside, and our business is no different. Building your business brand is a direct reflection of you. In today's competitive landscape, personal and proven leadership skills can ensure that our brands and businesses succeed. Join host Bonnie Bonadeo and visionary guest experts to help you find success. Tune into beautiful brands inside and out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You 
are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. And my guest is Paula A. Marshall, and she is the CEO of Bama Industries. And we're talking, and and Bama Bama Industries makes a lot of the, or many of the fast food desserts for McDonald's, as well as many other fast food chains. And uh, the, the company started on her grandmother's kitchen table in 1937. And it was all about making apple pies hand, by hand. Welcome back, Paula. Is that right? She made Thank them by you. hand and 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 sold oh, them she made that. Yeah, she made all kinds of pies. She worked for Woolworths Drugstore in Dallas, Texas, uh, for about three years, and uh, before she and my grandfather got started in uh, their own home delivery pie business. So they were the original uh, entrepreneurs starting out in the kitchen and. And growing rapidly and getting uh, some great customers along the way and, and grew with that, those relationships. In, in the 1930s, I mean, that's really ahead of our time. Yes, yes. 20s, 30s, yep. 40s, 50s, yep. Yeah, amazing. And then your father, who took over the company, worked with new uh, Ray Kroc, knew the original owners of McDonald's. Yes, he made a, a cold call on uh, Ray Kroc and Fred Turner back in 1968. And the rest is history, so and they've been with you all these years. Yes, yes. And then yeah. uh, I was fortunate to be able to make a cold call on a little pizza company out of Wichita, Kansas at that time called Pizza Hut. Mm. And um, we started a, a relationship and have built uh, a couple of plants for them uh, in the U.S. Uh, back in the 90s. So, uh-huh. And we still have a very uh, awesome relationship with them. In fact, we just got a 30-year uh, supplier award from them. So it's, it's, all, a, it's all about relationships, Patricia. <laughs> I know that, and you're so incredible with that. Paula, what do you think is the key? Is it staying in touch with people? Is it following up? Is it what, what do you think is the key to that, to really being there and making those relationships work over the many years? Yeah, I think the first I think the first thing I would say is it's really important to know if you took your whole business and did an analysis, it's really important to know who are your best customers, who are the ones who pay on time and you make a profit on their business. And then you sort those customers away from the other customers and we kind of have set these people up as strategic partners with us. So, you know, we we it involves everything from doing research for them. It involves doing store visits for them. We just completed a project with one of the customers where we took our Six Sigma black belts and went into their stores and did a complete detail analysis on how many minutes it took them to actually make a pizza or make a pie. And we brought them a lot of ideas to try to improve their throughputs, therefore improving their profitability per store. And, I mean, we have the soup to nuts, everything, everyone in our company is dedicated to growing and helping grow those strategic partners. The other 
customers are are just going to get your stock product and what you sell, and they're not going to get a whole lot of of the personal uh, partnering type things that we do with our strategic customers. So I think it's really important to know who you want to who you want to back. What horse do you want to get on? You know, who's your going to be your your top dog company that you're going to want to you know pay attention to and hook your wagon to? Mister Croc used to say something to my father like, you know, if you hitch your wagon to my star, we'll go far. That kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's really you know what uh, their partnership was built on was being hooked to each other and and uh, you know no matter which way. they went, they were always going to be together. Yeah. But again, it's also sometimes you don't know that. Sometimes you might start out with someone small. Like, for example, when you started with Pizza Hut, you didn't know that it would grow to the the way that it did. So sometimes you have to use your intuition, correct? You do. And you have to use your best thinking at the time. And uh, sometimes we pick wrong, you know? I mean, sometimes we pick... Uh, people to be strategic partners and customers that aren't don't have integrity or don't have a good business plan or don't have a good financial plan or take too many risks and and I think you have if you when you stay close to your strategic partners you understand those risks and you manage to those risks so diversification is important in an area like that where you don't really know how your customer is going to perform over the long haul. And so you might need two or three strategic customers in that space. But just remember, a strategic customer is someone who gets your time, your attention, your responsiveness, your quality, your best work. And, you know, unfortunately, Patricia, we can't be all things to all people. And I think a lot of companies make that mistake. They try to be all things to all people and they end up, not doing a good job for anybody along the way. But I I do think something you said, you know, being strategic, if you know you have a customer that's really going to be there for you and loyal, even if you can't be there, having somebody else be there, making sure the company, whoever it is, it may be three or four people involved, but making sure they are there and they're on top of it. Otherwise, I think you lose them. I think just that, that little extra Calling them, are you okay? Is everything working? Makes a big difference. The little things. It does. I mean, and when I say strategic partner, I mean it's like a <clears throat> a family member. You know, it's like yeah. you're thinking about them all the time. You're doing the research. You're going out and looking at their competitors and seeing where they can improve. You know, where you can take that information back to them to help them improve. We have meetings all the time with our customers and tell them things through research and other uh, consumer insights where other people are preferring the product over over their brand. And we go to them. We take those concerns very seriously, and we go to them and we say, look, we have some issues here because this company is taking your market share, which means they're taking our market share. So we talk openly about things that we see out in the market, and a strategic partner a strategic customer partner is going to listen to your feedback and take your feedback and honor your feedback and try to do something about your feedback. Right. If you take a, if you take an improvement idea to a company that you're trying to do business with or you do business with, 
<clears throat> that would be a good indicator to me of whether they were going to be a strategic partner or not, is what do they do with your information? Do they try to implement it and do something with it? Or do they just sit there and look at you and say, thanks, but, you know, that really isn't your job. Don't don't come back anymore with this kind of information. That company would never make it in a strategic partner in my world. Right. Yeah. So it, it's, again, it's, uh, it's being there, it's listening, it's being responsive, and it's, um, and also it's kind of anticipating their needs, correct? Knowing their culture. Isn't that another part of it, is knowing their, their sort of their corporate culture? <clears throat> yes, and we do, we do uh, annual audits with almost all of our suppliers. So it's the same way from our customers to us and us to our suppliers because we're only as good as our supply chain. So <clears throat> quality and responsiveness and taking care and communication has to happen all the way across the system for everything to work right. So you've got to spend time also with your strategic suppliers so that they understand what your goals are for your customers and who you're serving and you need to have great communication with them all the way up and down the chain. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were if you were going into a oh, let's say a college class of students that were studying for their MBA, right? Or entrepreneurs for that matter, people who are really going to take the helm of their own business. What's one of the top 3 things you'd say to them right off the bat? If they were going to take a take business classes, Business classes, or they were they were going to have their own business, but they had the, the tools. They had the business mm-hmm, tools, mm-hmm. you know, the educational tools, but they hadn't been in business yet on their own. They were going to take the plunge. Okay. Wow. Um, well, I think <laughs> having a good business plan, um, right. anticipating your financial needs uh, is critical. Um, you know, there's a, uh, there's a lot of components. And I would also say if you're good at marketing and selling and designing and those kinds of things, you really need someone technical behind you that takes care of the details, you know, that makes sure the manufacturing process works, that the suppliers are all good, that, you know, we're getting the deliveries on time, that we're making things on time, that we have schedules. So I've always tried to you know, um, make my skills work better for me by having a team around me that has a different skill set than I do. Right. So <clears throat> that's really important is, you know, to make sure that your team has diversity but also has the skill sets that you don't possess. And Absolutely. they and then you let them help you and you let them do, do the work that you need them to do. Right, because you're not going to be as good as they are at what they're, at what they're excellent at. Right. You're and going to be good at what you do. I mean, my daughter yeah. is very entrepreneurial, tried to start her own company <clears throat> a few years ago, and the hardest thing for her was to let go and let other people do their work that you hired them for mm-hmm. because she would exhaust herself working 20 hours and the other person's basically sitting over there playing, you know, Scrabble or something, and I'd say... <laughs> why are you doing all this work and you're not, and she's like, oh, I can do it better than them or they, it takes too long to explain it. Or, and I'm like, you know, you're paying them to mm-hmm. do this and you're not letting them do it. It's, it's right. really, that's a skill that also has to be learned is how do you share, you exactly. know, how do you share the and work, how go. do you teach yeah. it, train yeah. it, and not yeah. 
be afraid yeah. that someone's going to come along and know more than you know. Right. Okay, this is great. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more to Paula A. Marshall, CEO of Bama Industries. They make all of the apple pies and fast food desserts for many of the chains, including McDonald's and Walmart, and uh, she's just a wealth of knowledge and really walks her talk of the title of her book, Finding the Soul, S-O-U-L, of Big Business. We'll be back with Paula right after the break, right here on the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Stay tuned. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. And I'm Patricia Raskin for the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. And we're talking to Paula A. Marshall, who is the CEO of Bama Industries. And they're out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They make all of the fast food desserts and apple pies for major uh, fast food chains, such as McDonald's and Walmart. They're working with Pizza Hut and uh, pretty amazing. And they've been with... uh, McDonald's for over 30 years. Company started on her grandmother's kitchen table in 1937. Welcome back, Paula. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Good. Yeah, you know, um, I I think what I want to talk about next is one of the things you talk about a lot is building those relationships and really being there. And I'd like to mention your book because I I know you wrote it a while ago, but it's so current to me in terms of relationship building. It's called Finding the Soul, S-O-U-L, of Big Business. And it's very Mm -hmm. much about how you can measure the corporate ego, if you will, and really... um, and you write the subtitle I love, One Company's Ego Elimination Strategy. 
I mean, it's it's very clever. So <laughs> it's how you know how do you um, how can you not level the playing field, but really say to your team workers, which you call them, a uh, team members. You know, I'm here for you. I mean, I know certainly you're the CEO and you're running everything, but it's what you do, I think, is unusual. And we've talked about this before as a woman run company. And I said to you once, Paula, how many CEOs do you know like you that, I mean, you would walk down when you have time, Paula, you would go into the plant on the floor and you would talk to the team members. But how many CEOs do you know do that? Right. They're in their office many times behind closed doors. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, again, it's part of the culture of my family. It's part of uh, my personal culture because of having worked in our facilities at a young age and, and dropping out of school and coming here and, and being befriended by, you know, people who had worked for my parents for 10 years or 15 years, and I didn't really know them that well. I used to just walk through the plant in my school uniform and all that kind of stuff, and so you know, getting to know our folks and getting to know how much they cared and getting to know how, um, you know, they were spending their life, a good part of their lives with us and that we were all on, in the same boat. You know, if, if we didn't uh, do well, they didn't do well. If they didn't do well, we didn't do well. So, you know, I started learning that really early and it, it just became very important to me. It was important to my family uh, over the years not to ever forget uh, who's helping you put the food on the, on the table, who's helping you generate the capital to grow more companies and to grow more businesses, and, and uh, you know, who, who are we partners with? And we're partners with our team members. So it's very, very important not to forget the team members. But unfortunately, I think what comes out of our school system, what gets generated is a lot of, a lot of MBAs, a lot of bachelor's, uh, you know, level people that, um, don't ever learn the value of uh, those connections. And so, you know, mm-hmm. designers or, or electronical engineers, um, planners, uh, you know, all kinds of different uh, supply chain people and quality people, they all come out of schools and they, they never talk about the interrelationships between the workers and themselves or how the work they do, the work they design, the work they try to implement has to be implemented by someone on the plant floor. So if they don't develop relationships, um, they're really in trouble. I have a a really great story about one of my food scientists who's literally one of the smartest people I know. He's a PhD uh, in, in food. Uh, he's a, you know, a scientist, a chemist, a bioengineer. I mean, he's, he's off the charts. Well, his, uh, his, his products that he would work on for some of our major customers would, would never work right, never come all the way through the facility, would never be what the customer wanted. And we always kept tracing it back to what in the world was going on with his projects. And mm. one of the things we found when we looked into that was that he didn't develop relationships with people on the plant floor. Mm-hmm. And so when he took a, a recipe out to them or he took something to them and told them to change it, he didn't work with them. He didn't stay there. He didn't tell them why. Uh, he didn't give them any information. He didn't. He wasn't invested in what was going on. He just saw his role as being kind of the king of the R&D process, and he was to just be followed no matter what. 
and not ask any questions, and he was just going to go on down his merry way and say, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bring me the perfect product. And, you know, you can't do that. It, it's, it's, um, it doesn't produce quality. The work is not quality. Yeah. And so I have proven that over and over and over and many times over. But it's always a lot of education and training with our management to take out those learnings that they had from school and replace it with, you know, common sense, caring, compassion, mm-hmm. and understanding the role of the team members in their design processes. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's something that you can never forget, and you have to always keep it in the front of your mind. Yeah, and it, it, that's so true because in the work that I do, if I don't have those technical people or the people on the ground floor helping me, because I, you know, I mean, I do the best I can on the computer, but some of these people are little wizards. You know, they figure out the glitches immediately. And if you don't exactly. figure those out, then you're not going to progress. And I'm so grateful when I can call and say, hey, you know, the computer and the, I lost this and it's not going through and I'm panicky. Two minutes, they figured it out. I don't know how. And without them, I couldn't do what I'm doing. So it, it's really paying attention to that. That's that's right, and that's that's something you've learned, Patricia, uh, yeah. over a hard knock school of hard knocks, if you will. The problem is a lot of these um, 25, 26, 27 year olds, or 24 year olds coming out of colleges, they haven't learned that yet. So they come in with an arrogance, they come in with an attitude, yeah. they come in with that ego and that air of superiority, and the people on the floor really then turn their backs on them and don't care. So all of their projects start to fail, but they don't understand why. So -hmm. they go up to management and blame it all on the workers. But really, it was a breakdown of their system and how they were treated. Yeah, how they exactly. were treating people. Yeah. Well, it also, Paula, it comes with maturity. I mean, as, as we've gotten older, I've been at this a long time. So I appreciate, I mean, I realize that when I call that office and they help me with that computer glitch, that means I'm going to get this person on board. And if I don't have their help, the person won't be on board. So, again, um, it's the maturity of understanding that, that you can't. Right. And how many you, shows do our technical guys do? I mean, how many shows do they put on for you? So the more you're kind, the more you're compassionate, the more you think yeah. of them, send them little things here and there. You know, they open up their mailbox, there's a thank you card from you, that kind of thing. It's a big it's a big deal. You know, it's something that people think about when they get ready to do something for someone. If you've treated them kindly and nice, then they will they will go overboard and jump overboard for yeah. you. Interesting. I interviewed a man by the name of Ross Reck who's written many books on kind of what you're talking about where you're really good to your employees and you're out there on the floor and you're really with them. And his, he boils it down to one word, kindness. He said, it's so simple to be kind to people. He said, and people don't get that. You get so much when you're kind to people. And I, I remember and why, he wrote does he say why? Does he say why, Patricia? Because I'm really interested in this societally. Why is kindness disappearing from our society? Does he say that? Well, you know, I mean, I'll certainly give you my, I think we have to look at the top of what we're seeing out there in society and in our leadership. We're not particularly mm-hmm. seeing that. And, you know, with all the automation, I think, and with, with all the technology, it's like we've gotten away from that. Even when we're kind, it's a, it's a thank you on an email, right? Like, thanks. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. we're not, you know, and, and people don't, yeah, right. 
people don't have the time. I mean, I, sometimes I have to schedule a month out just to see somebody because they're so busy. Yeah. Well, what, what's happening here? And it, mm-hmm. it um, you know, I think that's, that's what he's talking about is that we have forgotten those common courtesies. And I think part of it is we're so driven for productivity in our culture. You got to make it, got to be productive. Before you do anything else, you got to make sure you do results. Well, you know, right. I mean, bottom line, bottom line, bottom line. Right. And do you think that people in, in school and things learn to work? I've, I've had a, a theory for a while that people don't work in teams, so they work solo. So when they come out at school, they're still in that mindset of it's me, me, me. I've got to focus on, you know, uh, myself getting ahead or getting myself to the next level. And I forget that I need all these people around me to help support me to do that. Um, they don't work in teams. There's no team. So they, if they don't learn that, you know, how would they ever know that unless they come into the workplace and then they have to unlearn all of that solo flying that they've done and learn how to ha- ask for help and engage others. Yeah. Well, I think if there, I think part of this is creating safe spaces where people can talk, where people feel mm-hmm. that they can trust. I mean, I'm doing a lot of corporate workshops on this, and you know, be, being able to share and knowing it won't go anywhere else, or knowing that somebody has your back. I think that's another whole piece of this, right? Is the trust, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yep, I think you're that, right. Um, yeah, it's, it's one thing, it's to be able to, and also, Paula, to be able to share your feeling. Let's say, you know, one of your team members comes to you and really wants to say something because things aren't going the way he, they think it should, but they're afraid of retribution. What if, you know, mm-hmm. what if you don't like it? What if you say, okay, well, you're out. So that, there's a whole other piece there. It is, it is, yeah, and if I build a team around me and then I have to, if I'm let go or if I have to let them go, um, that creates a lot of fear too. And, and, uh, almost, uh, a wall, you know, around, right. around each other. Right. I'm not going to speak up because look what happened when she spoke up. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. So that's, that, 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 I think that's another part of the culture. Let's talk more about that after the break. We're talking to Paula A. Marshall, CEO of Bama Industries. They make fast food desserts for a lot of the chains in our country, including McDonald's and Walmart. We're talking about relationships at work and how we can build productive team members, people who want to come to work and be productive. But it all starts with safety and trust and being there for each other. So we'll be right back right here on the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Stay tuned. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
accidents, injuries, hazards of all kinds. It seems like everything you do has something dangerous attached to it. Everyday safety is important to us all. Yet where can you get the information you need to prevent injuries and accidents? Tune in for Todd Murray and his program, Safety is Your First Choice. From safety in the home to the car in your workplace, as well as anywhere that you need to be prepared, he'll cover a range of topics. Tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. are listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show, and I'm with Paula A. Marshall, CEO of Bama Industries. They make a a lot of the fast food desserts for McDonald's, Walmart, many of the chains, and they're amazing. They're global, and Paula really walks her talk, which is the title of her book, Finding the Soul of Big Business. Her employees are not employees, they're team members. And they have foundations where they help their team members if they need something. So it's really like a family. It's like the the Bama family. Welcome back, Paula. So yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, we were talking about how I go into different companies and do corporate trainings. I went into one company where I'm working with people in a call center. And we were talking about domestic violence. That was the topic. And how people really shared and they opened up from the heart. And they loved it. I mean, and they got all the other people on the floor to come because I did five of them in one day. And by the end of the day, I had, you know, many more people in the workshop versus today. Or I go into a, another city in a big, gorgeous building on the 23rd floor, all glass, overlooking the city, different city. And it's all uh, mostly people who are financial planners or they're in, you know, working with investments. And it's a big, big, long conference with a big, long table. Had about 30 people in there just for one hour. And they were, you know, this was a one-hour thing that they did. And, and it was on, this was on dementia. And I shared and I opened, but it was such a different energy. To get them to share and tell stories was very, very hard. We had a few people here and there, and some people evaluated and said, you know, really, thank you for sharing. And other people said, oh, she was okay. I didn't really learn anything new. It was such a different energy from, you know, the day before where people just really opened. But now you have a different culture The ones yesterday on domestic violence were people who are in the call center, just like your people on the plant, right, actually making the food. I mean, these are the people in the call center that are talking to the customers versus people who are more management, different end of the spectrum, um, working more in the financial space. And it was a different was different. Now, people did come up afterwards and share with me privately about people in their family who had dementia, and everybody's affected by Alzheimer's. I mean, I said, here's a show of hands. How many people in this room know somebody close to them who's had this disease? All of them. So it's, it's very wow. prevalent. Very prevalent. But it was a very different energy from what I call 
almost the real people. You know, I mean, you're working with people who are on right. the plant, right? The, the people out there that are making it possible for us to manage. So it's, yes. it's different, ener- different energy. What do you think the difference was, Patricia? Do you think the leaders? So it sounds like one of the leaders who has the people in the call center is more connected to her, yes. her team oh, no because question. she realized that domestic violence was a big issue. Yeah. Uh, the other one sounds like, well, just come in and do some training, just right. kind of flip, right. you know, have, just right. kind of we put it in there, right. and then they want to engage right. We have it every it. month, every month, and this month we have you. Yep, and we want to talk about it. It was, it was such a different, it was such a contrast for me. You know, when I said, okay, yeah. well, now it's much more rich if, if all of you can share. And some people did share, but it was, a, it was very different. And then, you know, when I asked everybody at the end of the, of the session, let's go around the room and see what you thought about this and what you learned today, about 15 of them just walked right out. And I said to the, to the person, I said, he said, he said, that was excellent. I said, excellent. 15 walked out. He said, no, no, they all, they always do that at the end. They have to get back to work. They always do that at the very end. They all do that. I thought, Oh wow. my God. Yeah. Different, different so energy. See, it sounds like the difference between someone who's engaged and knows what the issues of their team are versus someone who just is sort of checking a box, putting some training in. You know, that exactly. people aren't really interested exactly. in and they sort of have, have to you, come. You know, yeah. they have to come. Yeah, exactly. You hit it on the head exactly. The other person's in HR and these are the schedules. The person at the other, the call center, that manager, that manager came in and took that workshop and loved it and then told all the people on the floor, keep going back. She's doing it five times. You're absolutely right. The manager at the call center was totally engaged. No question. This was this was more HR. Right, you can see what a huge difference the leadership can make when they're engaged and talking to their teams about what matters to them, rather than just trying to check a box and say I'm getting my mandatory training done. That the people sitting around the room with the closed arms and the closed, you know, postures and things probably didn't learn anything, Patricia. Yeah. Well, I think they wanted this topic and and some people really did, you know, I think they got some ahas and there were probably a lot of people came in the room because it was one hour. There were probably 40 Mm -hmm. and even when 10 left, probably 25 stayed. And they said, gee, we learned this. We didn't realize all the different forms of dementia. We didn't realize how prevalent it was. You know, so I think there were some, but it was just such a stark contrast, Paula, to yesterday. Mm -hmm where people really shared from their heart and there was support. It was, it was just very different. It was um, yeah. and, and exactly and again, what you're you know, saying. The culture of a bank versus the culture of a call center. Um, normally, call centers are very disengaged people who get yelled at all day long and don't feel very warm and welcomed in someone's life. And a bank is more, usually they're more friendly and outgoing and warm. So, there really is a cultural difference created by the leader of that organization, in my, I, in my opinion. Yep, that's what it was. Because the manager came right out to me yesterday and from the call center said, oh, I'm happy you're here and introduced himself and got in and made sure he took the first one. Yeah, it was, it was very different. This was more, we do these every month and this time we're doing this one. And in fact, when I walked in, the handouts weren't even ready. It was just a different energy. It was, you know, this is what I have to do every month, and the, we bring it in. But, um, but it's to your point, Paula, 
that when you are engaged with your team members, it makes a huge difference in how they feel. Yes. Yeah, which is yes, wonderful. Yes, that's true. Exactly mm-hmm. true. And that's what and you that's do. What, that's, that's why I talk about leadership so much, Patricia. That's why I spend so much time, you know, teaching people the Deming Management Method because it's all about listening and learning and understanding your role and your part in the system and not berating people and rating and ranking them and trying to measure them and trying to give them a grade or a score because it's too deme- it's very demeaning and it actually disengages people from what you're right. trying to accomplish. Right. So it, it's a there's a, a fine line that like you said from one company to another. Now which company would you assume was more profitable? I mean it's you know kind of the statistics the statistics would well, tell you that the know. company the, the, with the, the, the engaged people are very very yeah. profitable. Yeah, and the call center, you know, is part of a huge, I mean, I won't name the name of the company, but it's a huge name. It's like, it's, oh, if I, I said the imagine. name, it's yes. like saying McDonald's. It's a huge name. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, so it, it really, um, they really are, you know, they're really out there invested to help their people, which is wonderful. Paula, this has been such a great conversation with you. I, I really have to well, say. Well, thank you. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Yeah, it, 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 it's wonderful to see that you as a CEO really get this. You know, you understand what everybody's going through in the organization. You're not just sitting in your ivory tower, you know, saying, okay, management just reports to me. You really want to know what's happening with everybody. I really do. I really do. It's really important. It, it makes our company uh, different, special, and our customers see it and our team members see it too. So our retention is probably one of the lowest. And, uh, you know, we have a high high retention rate, low turnover uh, in the industry. So, you know, we're very proud of that. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Stay on the line for a minute. Thank you so much for being on the program, Paula. Thank you. Paula, yep, Paula A. Marshall, CEO of Bama Companies, and it's Bama.com, correct? Bama.com. And uh, is that right, Paula? The the email, the uh-huh. the Mm-hmm. Bama.com. And you can also go to Paula A. Marshall on Facebook, which is part of Bama as well. Folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia and Positive Living Show. Stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. You can like me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources, or if you want to get a copy of my newsletter to see all these wonderful guests, write me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com. All right, folks, until next week, have a wonderful week. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. <laughs>